Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season three, we're talking all about travel jobs. Let's get started. On today's episode, we are talking about quite possibly the coolest work exchange job to ever exist with my guest, Ellie Hindley. So I'm going to let her explain all of it in the episode, but basically she was a dog sledding guide up in Swedish Lapland, and it's just so cool. She got to hang out with dogs all day, go dog sledding, learn so much. It's kind of one of those things that you wouldn't expect to come true, especially without prior dog handling experience. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I am here today with my guest, Ellie. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Excited. <laughs> Yay. So I'm just going to hand it over to you, Ellie. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us about yourself and your background. Perfect. So um, yeah, I'm Ellie. I'm from London originally. Um, I've been traveling full time um, for coming up to two years. Um, at the end of 2022, it will be um, exactly two years. Um, so and during the my two years of full time travel, um, I worked as a dog sledding guide in northern Sweden, which is what I'm going to be talking about quite a lot today. Um, but yeah, I left the corporate world end of 2020. I think like many people, um, COVID gave me time to rethink my priorities. Um, but actually, I will stop full-time traveling relatively soon um, because I have a new exciting job opportunity um, back in the UK. Ah, So very excited about that. Very cool. So let's just backtrack a tiny bit. I know, can you talk about your corporate job and like what were you were doing up until this point where you left? Um, So I was actually a engineer for planes. Um, So I used to design planes for a living um, and obviously the aviation industry, um, when COVID hit, it was a really, um, it was a massive hit for that industry. Um, and so I happened to be working in France at the time and they were offering packages for people, um, to leave the company, um, so that they would save money by not having as many employees. And the option that I took was, um, two pay, two years of unpaid leave. Um, and if I chose to go back, then I had my old job waiting for me. Um, and if I didn't cho- choose to go back, then I got the financial compensation that I would have um, got if I'd have just left immediately as well. Um, so, so it's like a win-win. Um, and so I took the two years to kind of think about whether or not I wanted to go back into the aviation world. Um, I've since chosen not to. Um, I'm going to go into like the renewable sector, which um, is a big change for me. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was 2020 and everything that was happening during COVID that really made me think, okay, I need a break um, from my corporate job, life, everything. Um, so yeah, almost two years of traveling so far. Amazing. And fantastic. <laughs> it was a challenging time for this to come about and start traveling. So can you tell us a little bit about your pandemic travels and what that was like? So I stopped work end of 2020, like my contract kind of finished um, 31st December 
kind of and so coming into January um I I don't know I had this thing in my head where I was like well 2020 is over COVID will stop um obviously that wasn't true (laughs) Um, but then so for the first few months um of uh 2021 so January February March I was doing volunteer work um in the UK I was working in the COVID vaccine centers you I would help set up a COVID COVID vaccine center I um, also was having to move all of my possessions from France um, to the UK. My parents thankfully have let me use their house as some storage for my belongings. Um, And then um, actually through the COVID vaccine center, I was working with someone that I was all had already kind of um, been volunteering with in a completely different organization um, based in Uganda. And he uh, happened to be during the COVID vaccine center shift. He turned around to me and said, oh, I'm going to Uganda in three weeks. I'm going to go help out with them, seeing how they're coping with the COVID situation. Um, And I said, oh, can I come? And please, can I come for a bit longer? Because I've got um, time to spare. Um, So that's my first trip that I did um, was to Uganda. And because of the rules at the time, um, it it made so much more sense for me just to stay in one country. um, It was a volunteer role. So I was helping with kind of like the IT and stuff in this tiny little village. Um, which because they were starting up a new health center so I was helping do like some of the IT stuff for that and so very niche um, but it was great fun and because of yeah because of the restrictions it just made so much more sense I spent three months in Uganda and by the time that I came home it was summer in Europe and most of the regulations for travel within Europe had kind of subsided so I was able to then go back to Europe and my next trip after Uganda was only within Europe um so I ended up doing a road trip from London to Dubrovnik in Croatia which was really cool so fun (laughs) so yeah so I kind of yeah I just saw what happened at the time there there was big changes there was one that just as I was about to fly home um the whole country in Uganda went into lockdown and so it was really stressful about whether or not I'd be able to get to the airport properly um because I was in a village where there was no tourist infrastructure and they were only letting tourist vehicles through um but I ended up getting a lift in a school bus um so (laughs) it worked out (laughs) amazing (laughs) I love stories like that that's so cool yeah it was very random (laughs) and then at some point during your travels you took a job in Sweden tell us about that (laughs) and how it Um, all came about so I one of the reasons this came into my head again was Sweden never really had a lockdown during COVID so it was one of the countries that I thought great that would be great to visit to because I you you don't have the restrictions um and so I started but Sweden's a very very expensive country so not working and traveling for such a long time um it wasn't you know it just didn't seem sensible but I found um a website called Workaway do you know it? Yes. Um, so workaway.info and they have loads of different um, things that you can do like jobs that are either voluntary or paid um, that usually their, their fundamental principle is like cultural exchange um, and so I found this place um, on Workaway and it was just after I'd come back from my Europe trip and I had six weeks where I had zero things planned and I messaged loads of people. I said, hey, look, like I'm free. Um, I'd love to come up to like northern Sweden or I messaged places in like Norway and Finland, too. And um, one of them replied to me pretty quickly and was like, hey, um, 
are you free for a call and when can you start because we need someone pretty much immediately Um, and so that happened to be my future boss and she called me up we had about an hour conversation um, and she said okay well when can you start because I was in London at the time and I said well I've got a family wedding on Saturday I think it was the Monday but I can fly on Sunday and she said great see you there (laughs) (laughs) wow Um, so yeah I think it was I think the fact that I was so free and so last minute really played in my favor because they usually have people that sign up months and months in advance Um, and because they didn't know about what the season was going to be like with COVID and stuff they hadn't had people there so yeah it really worked in my favor amazing so was this your first time using Workaway yes yeah okay cool and it worked out very well and for this job in particular or this role what was advertised um so it's it was advertised as we have I think they had 80 dogs at the time we need help with running our dogs um we've got kids so they're going to also be running around so if you're okay with kids helping out with that um and it was noted it was quite specific it was noted as this is going to be quite a lot of work compared to like a normal inverted commas work away um and it was one of those things that I was like well great if it's a lot of work I'll learn loads of things um and yeah it was it was interesting because the the actual information that I got on the Workaway site was not too descriptive they had you know lots of cute photos of dogs um I think the phone call that I had with her was a lot more um kind of informative I was able to ask all the questions that I had like so we yeah before I booked my flights we spoke for like an hour on the phone um but it was still one of those things being my first first ever work away I booked flights to go to northern Sweden which aren't the cheapest and I remember just being on the plane thinking I really hope she's there at the airport because I have no idea what to do <laughs> she's not oh my goodness but spoiler alert she was there right <laughs> spoiler alert she was there <laughs> but it was going through my mind of like I really hope this isn't some horrible scam um but yeah <laughs> yeah because that totally could happen but yeah. ultimately yeah. you had a great experience right yeah. because yeah you went back yeah so I was only meant to stay there for five or six weeks I said oh you know I'll go home for Christmas with my family um, and I'll probably end up going traveling afterwards somewhere warm and it got to mid-December and I was like I don't I don't want to leave here actually so uh, can I book a flight back and she was like great book a flight back um, and I ended up staying until mid-March I mean, so yeah planned to go for five or six weeks and stayed for multiple months so oh that's goodness. a very good sign so cool yeah. So in your interview, like what are your phone call? What did she ask you? Were there any certain skills she was looking for? Or was it really like they just needed someone that badly? Yeah, I think so. They had a certain amount of requirements. So it's really it's really interesting because it was the first winter season. So it was a a tourist dog sledding place and it was the first winter season um, post covid And they didn't know if they would be getting tourists. They didn't know what it was going to be like. Um, And like a pre-COVID world, they would have their staff lined up from September to April, months in advance. You know, they wouldn't be doing interviews at this this time. Um, And so normally they can have, again, because so normally in a pre-COVID world, like they'd have so many applications, they can be really specific um, about who they can uh who who they can take really so then for me it was I think they just wanted to know that I was willing to work hard that I had an all-round good attitude 
Um, so there's the, there's the dual element of they want you to be very good with people because it's it's a tourist place so you have to be hosting tourists but then also they want you to be really good with dogs and treat their dogs correctly so um i didn't have any experience in tourism or with animals so normally i don't think i would have been accepted um but i think they just got a gauge for my personality that i'm quite outgoing relatively hard working um and keen to learn and i think as long as you have a good attitude that you're willing to learn then um yeah i think that was one of the main things that they're looking for so fun and um, did you yeah. end up getting a lot of tourists that season yeah yeah so um we ended up getting actually really busy um and which was great most most people ended up being from europe because of the covid restrictions um and then i ended up being the person that would usually do like overnight tours or two-day tours because um i'd been there since relatively early in the season and also they recognize that i'm very happy to talk to people um for a couple of days at a time um so yeah one of my kind of roles was to take people on two-day tours um out into the forest they had a cabin um and it was fantastic wow so what does a two-day tour look like like what are your responsibilities what do the tourists get to do for that length of time so on a on a multi-day tour like that the the aim was for the tourists to really kind of get to know their own dogs and get to know how you would set up a sled for example so a two-day tour would arrive and I would have laid out the sled, I would have laid out the harnesses for the dogs, um, but then I'd say to each of the tourists, okay, this is your dog, uh, these are your dogs, it would usually be three or four per, uh, dogs per person depending on their weight, um, and I'd say, okay, so these two are your lead dogs, um, and the lead dogs are like the most intelligent dogs, and um, these one or two other dogs are going to be in behind, and they're, I'd usually give a little bit of explanation about the dog's personality, um, obviously their name and things like this, just to, so the tourist kind of um, gets to know them as well, because if you're spending 24 or 48 hours with animals that like you can really develop a bond with them, um and so then um at the beginning of that yeah I'd help them set up the sleds and then we'd go on the first day it would normally be about 45 kilometers sledding wow um, yeah so it'd start maybe at about lunchtime and then you'd get to the cabin in the middle of nowhere it was um on an island on a frozen lake so really in the middle of nowhere um and then the tourists would um put away their dog I would prepare the dinner for both the humans and the dogs. And then um, the guests would also um, help us like help feed. Um, and so kind of explain the process of maybe if a dog is really big, um, then we'll give them slightly extra food, um, you know, just, and if there's one very hardworking dog, then maybe they need this and kind of explain why you would change the portion sizes, things like that. Um, and then we would sleep in the cabin, um, which had no electricity. It was only um, candlelight in a beautiful wood cabin um, and hope for northern lights. Um, so some of my best tours, um, you can walk, you could walk onto the frozen lake and see northern lights from the frozen lake. It was <laughs> magical, absolutely magical. Um, and to the point where I like it was such a beautiful environment. I had many guests on my tours cry just simply because it was so beautiful. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. And then in the morning it would be human breakfast, dog breakfast. Um, and if it was a two day tour, then we do like a big um like a big loop and have lunch in a teepee um, and then if it was a, just a two-day one night then we'd go back um, to the dog yard and they'd say goodbye um, to their dogs so yeah wow. it was really it was really special really really special what a cool experience yeah yeah 
And what are your responsibilities like between tours if you're not out with a group? Um, so dog poo, <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> it's the main thing. Um, so we ended up um having to like pick up poo basically every morning. So um the dogs themselves, so in Sweden, dog sledding is a really common thing. So there's a minimum amount of space that they have in the yard. Um, and then the place that I worked for, it was I think it was double the size of the minimum. So they had quite like a lot of space and they were always in at least pairs, sometimes three or four um if they needed extra friends um and the main thing was to make sure that that dog poo was cleaned at least once a day um because um yeah it's just not very sanitary for the dogs to be near their own poo um and then um in the morning we would have um we would have three main types of tours in throughout the day so there'd be a morning tour where um i would be driving and guests would be sitting on my sled um, and then that would be coffee. And then the afternoon tour would be the guests could actually drive themselves. And then we had sometimes an evening tour uh, in the dark, which was hoping for Northern Lights. Um, and then that would, again, that would be when the guests would be sitting on my sled. Um, but then the overnight tours would be kind of slotted into them because we didn't have them every single day of the week. Um, so yeah, so it was often quite intense. And so it was managing which dogs would be running where um, setting up the sleds who there was four of us guides so not everyone would be doing all of the same tours at the same time so um, if you're going on one tour then when you came back you then you'd make sure that there's the dog food ready for when the dogs are home because as soon as they get home obviously the dogs are tired and hungry so they're fed immediately um, all of these kind of different things it was a little bit of a routine that everyone had to chip in for wow yeah and how long did it take you to start feeling comfortable with the routine and driving the sled and having guests on your sled I think comfortable started about a month in which was <laughs> maybe probably why I also wanted to extend my stay um, because I was only starting to feel comfortable I mean there were still times where um, the weather for whatever reason has really just like if it was really windy then the snow on the trails would make it really bumpy or sideways or slanty um, and so could that could really knock your confidence if you like almost slipped um, because yeah if the wind you can imagine if the wind's just been blowing all day then a trail that was once completely flat was slanted so you're trying to do all that kind of stuff um, yeah I think at least a month to be completely competent and um I was still learning up until the last day um there's there's always stuff to learn in the forest there there was animals there so there was like moose wandering around reindeer wandering around um so you know you could get into a situation where um if you saw a moose then how would you react and the dogs will always challenge you um you know and you know a dog takes a long time something that I really learned is like to trust you because um they like my two lead dogs for example one of them was seven I think the other one was five they've been doing this for seven and five years I've been doing it for one month and they know I've been doing it for one month <laughs> um so it's like it's really developing that relationship of trust that um that the dogs trust you and you trust the dogs um I learned so much about dog behavior while I was there That's um, so cool. yeah yeah it was yeah it was really fun and I bet that like that trust thing applies to humans too. I bet that can carry you into your future in the real world. Yeah. Not that that's not the real world, but yeah, yeah no, exactly. It's, um, it's, I, 
it's it's such a learning experience that you know all the things that you'd have even in like a corporate job or any job would be you know teamwork and um uh, under pressure if you've got a really big group of tourists you've all got to do things quickly and you know you're in you're in the middle of nowhere so you're very isolated but you're you're in a small group of people there was four tour guides and my two bosses that happened to be married so you know you have a small team trying to manage 80 something dogs um yeah it's <laughs> it's a lot but it was yeah it was so it's such a once in a lifetime experience wow and so what was it like yeah. being so isolated in probably such cold weather what was the temperature so what was your experience I, I'm not sure what it is in Fahrenheit. The coldest that I saw on the, we had a temperature gauge was minus 32 degrees centigrade. Okay. So minus 40 and minus 40 are the same. Like so that. it's like yeah. literally very cold. I think at very, that point it doesn't cold. matter what the number is. That's just so cold. It, it was weird because the first few weeks that I was there, I was like, oh, it's so cold. I'll never, I'll never cope with this cold. Um, but then like when it would get minus 10 and above, I'd be walking around in just like a light thermal. Um, because, <laughs> I'm like, okay, wow. no, I'm really adjusting to you this now. <laughs> because I think there was a difference of, so it was quite a physical job. Um, so you're moving around quite a lot, which is great. Um, but also, I mean, just trying to get good quality clothes. Um, so that is something that I really learned. It's like, there's no point having five layers of average quality spend the money on one very high quality so I had I spent a lot of money before I went um on like a good merino wool base layer mm -hmm. and I think yeah it was about a hundred dollars or something just on like a top and a trousers only for a base layer maybe even sl like slightly more um really good quality socks um things like which I had never thought about is um if you've been inside for any amount of time um, your your feet would have likely to have been sweating in your socks so you should change your socks immediately before you go outside um, because any dampness that would be in your socks already will make the cold so much worse um, yeah things like um, not putting face creams on your face because in the morning because that could freeze and that can make you more risk of frostbite um, making sure if you're out for a long time that you basically just have everything covered um in minus 30 it does get gent like risk of frostbite is very high um and even just being outside i have a photo of me where like my um eyelashes are completely frozen my eyebrows are completely frozen um everything just freezes um so yeah it's just learning to to accept that and never have a single bit of skin really exposed if you can avoid it that's crazy yeah. And did you have to bring all your own gear and warm um, clothing or did they provide anything? No, so they they provided they had like a storage room of like what people had left behind. And then they also provided us with um, like hats, with coat, with um, proper shoes. Um, and then I kind of had a little bit of yeah everything else kind of um, in between. So I did a certain amount of shopping beforehand, but then there was, yeah, it was a bit of both, really um so yeah because I mean also the coat that they had um I'm not even certain I would have been able to find it in the UK because when you're when you're in an environment where it gets so cold then the shops are prepared for for that and you can't I mean you can't find stuff for minus 30 
in London um, unless you go to really, really specialised shops. Um, so, yeah, it ended up being a lot easier to find it there. Did you get time off at all? And what would you do? And uh, is there somewhere to go with time off? <laughs> <laughs> so we were 45 minutes outside of the town, which was Kiruna. Um, so Kiruna, the main reason it exists, actually, it's a mining town. Um, so they have a really big mine. Um, and um, yeah, so there was an ice hotel. So one day they took us out um, to an ice hotel to, and they like paid for all of the guides to have like a day off and go look around the ice hotel. So that was really cool um, because it's it's literally a hotel that um, yeah is made of ice, but it's like made by artists and it changes every single year. So cool. each each winter, the artists do something different um so that was really cool um and I mean you can you can go visit it just for a day which is what our bosses got for us and then but I mean to stay in it I looked it up and it was something like 500 euros a night um if you want to stay in one of the cold rooms they have hot rooms as well so I never stayed in them <laughs> because I'm <laughs> far outside my budget um but yeah and yeah other things we do just kind of maybe go for a walk in the forest um yeah sleep yep. <laughs> stay warm uh, yeah exactly um yeah it's pretty isolated um but it was that was also like the magic of it you know you yeah. could you could walk out and it would just be trees forests uh like and snow incredible uh, that sounds like yeah. the perfect like temporary experience yes yeah 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 I think I think if you don't know people, I mean, they have a whole family there. So like they they have a network. But like if you don't know anyone um, or if you're if you don't have anyone around, then I think it can be really quite isolating. Definitely. Yeah. How often did you see the northern lights? Um, I <laughs> It got to the point at the end of the season that I would say, oh, are they good? Because I'm in my inside clothes and I don't want to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay that's so, <laughs> quite that's a lot telling. um no we not like so I didn't really see it on the first month or so I saw like them really small and then it happened a couple of times where I saw them like wow and I was I remember I lied like I lay on the floor and I was like the sky is falling at me like what's going on this is incredible um and yeah it, it does become kind of normal like I think one of the one of the first times I saw the northern lights was um I was going from my cabin um to like the place where the washing machine was and I just happened to look up and see the northern lights and I'm like oh the only reason I saw this was because I was doing my laundry <laughs> like, so, yeah a sign to do your laundry <laughs> yeah exactly you never know when you'll see northern lights <laughs> very cool and so Workaway is an exchange, right? Like you offer your work and they provide room and board. So what yeah. was included for you in exchange for your um, efforts? So there are some Workaway positions that are paid. They're usually advertised as paid positions. Um, so this was really specific because in a pre-COVID world, they would have had everyone full salaried. Um, but because they were had a season of essentially no income and then because people were given vouchers for the next season they had to kind of um 
like accommodate that so um it was all of our food what was paid for um our accommodation was paid for transport everything like this um my boss actually ended up paying um for a flight for me to come back um which was very nice of her um and yeah and then we also received tips and things from the clients um uh yeah so it was, it was quite a particular um way to do it um and I mean we we'd, I was definitely probably cash, cash positive but um that was own it would be more fully paid position advertised on work away as a paid position um if covid hadn't happened if that makes sense gotcha for um, sure so yeah and it's yeah. like such a cool thing for example if you were to pay to have that experience exactly. it's probably very costly so you got to yeah. do it exactly I got I got to do it every day and I got to learn so much more um by doing it you know like people and I had people on my tours and they said you know this was my once in a lifetime dream to come here and I've achieved it today and it is the people's dreams from all over the world to do it and like one of the most touching ones I had um a guy I think he was in his 70s and he was with his daughter and she came up to me at the end she was like you know this was my dad's wish before he died was to go dog sledding and you've just made that happen thank you and and that is just like oh wow like you just kind of get a gauge of wow this is so special what we're doing oh Um, that's amazing yeah and you get to be part of it each time exactly exactly and I mean what is my first proper role in tourism and you do have that like element of it so yeah yeah, it was really really special very cool and do you have any like crazy stories or anything that just went totally wrong or anything off the top of your head that you can share there was there was one time where I was out for a training run so like when we don't have guests then the dogs still need to like have training like you would a marathon runner and um my one of the other guys that I was training with um he had stopped slightly further ahead of me and all I could see was him waving and it was far enough away that I thought he was signaling stop but he was signaling come quickly towards me and and I just hear him scream moose and I look up and there is a moose directly looking in my eye maybe a meter away (laughs) at eye level and and then obviously because the dogs are aware that there's an animal the dogs start barking um and at that point I I go okay go 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 quickly and it was fine because I mean the moose are used to us being around um and not harming them so they weren't threatened um but that was just a little bit of my blood pressure went very high very quickly (laughs) oh I can't imagine that's like yeah like moose down like mythical creatures almost sometimes you know they're so so large like when you get that close to them you're just you really get the you really gauge how big they are um yeah (laughs) it's a crazy day Do you have any advice if someone's trying to find a cool role like this, either on Workaway or just in general, or what you would tell someone who wants to step outside their comfort zone in order to travel more? Um, I would definitely say do it because especially Workaway, like, you know, you don't pay anything for the time that you're there. So it's if you're doing long term travel, it's a great way um, to kind of save money. Um, The one thing I would say is just ask the questions and know fully what um you're going into so I knew going into it that it was going to be really hard work and really long days because they'd explain that to me um if 
if they hadn't explained that to me, I think I would have been a bit frustrated. But as long as you know what you're getting in for, um, then you can make the choice if, if you're comfortable for it. Um, so, yeah, just ask as many questions as you can. And also make sure that I like just for peace of mind that they've been reviewed beforehand. Like work away, they give reviews for um, people that have been there already and also like for both people so for hosts and for workers um and yeah just to kind of it's just for peace of mind really just to check that people are nice people they're kind and it is what it, they say on the advert good advice um, yeah and so. then after your dog sledding experience mm-hmm. you continued your travels so you want to just fill us in on the yeah. rest of the year <laughs> so um yeah so in april i um went to south america so i did three months traveling i did overland lima to sao paulo so i went peru bolivia northern chile argentina brazil and then flew home from sao paulo so that was incredible and then i spent um a couple of months in the uk over summer and then i actually went ended up visiting um the dog kennel again in summer just to say hi for a couple of weeks um, which was a completely different <laughs> seeing it without snow um, and like seeing friends. And then I flew back out to Latin America. Um, I flew to Costa Rica um, beginning of October. Um, so I've been in Costa Rica and Panama for the last month. And then I've got a few more weeks to go and I will be back in the UK for December. Very cool. Yeah. And what do the dogs do in the summer? <laughs> Um, so they do. So the, this is a question that we got a lot for. Um, but how do they cope with the cold? But the actual question really is, how do they cope with the warmth? Mm-hmm. So they're not allowed to go out running if it's more than 15 degrees Celsius positive. Um, and also if it's sun, like sunshine, they really don't cope well with it. So sometimes they do training runs with like wheels um like carts and wheels and um yeah and then some so we do get some summer tourists for that um but yeah that you also take them out for like walks like a domestic pet would get walks just so they can get out and get get exercise um they usually have puppies sometimes over and towards the end of the winter so you'll rearing up the puppies um so that's more than enough to keep you entertained but I've actually just got a text this morning saying they've had more puppies today nine Ah. of them nine of them so (laughs) so cute so cute um so yeah there's there's stuff to keep everyone busy and also like um redoing things to their houses um and um kind of general maintenance that's easier to do in the summer absolutely very cool (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well, I could ask you a zillion more questions, <laughs> but I won't. I just want to thank you, Ellie, so much. For be- yeah, exactly. You're like, so welcome. <laughs> like, are the dogs soft? Like, uh, I will spare <laughs> you <are>. the question. <laughs> uh, but if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you online? And I'll link it in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. So yeah, I've got an Instagram, which is L on the move. It's just EL on the move. Um, And it's the same. I've got a travel blog. Um, I've got a couple of articles actually um, that I've written about my life as a dog sledding guide and um, what it's like um, up there. So yeah, either my Instagram or my website, both of them are L on the move. Perfect. Everyone check that out. So Ellie, thank you again. I really appreciate you being here today. This is such a cool and exciting and unique job. So I loved learning more about it. And everyone else, catch you in the next episode. Wait, before you go, 
If you are here because you are exploring your travel options, I am excited to share with you that I've just revamped my free offerings to help you on your journey. Whether you need help budgeting for a career break, saving money for a trip, or learning how to effectively apply for a remote job, I've got you. Visit the link in the show notes or go directly to www.travelshifters.com slash freebies to download what you need. And don't hesitate to let me know what you think. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.